This is District Sentinel Radio, the newscast of record for the left. I'm Sam Sachs. I am Sam Knight. We're broadcasting out of the Sentinel Fort in Washington, D.C. Check out the website, districtsentinel.com. If you're a subscriber on Patreon, patreon.com slash district sentinel, now's the time to get your garbage can nominees in, as well as your honor can nominees. We'll be doing all that official business on tomorrow's subscriber-only show. But this is your chance to nominate boomers for the garbage can or to nominate people who say, okay, boomers, to the garbage can, depending on which side of that debate you fall on. One possible nominee is Bill Gates. He was speaking to Andrew Ross Sorkin yesterday at a New York Times deal book conference. Pericode reporter Teddy Schleifer, Sorkin asked Gates who he'd vote for in a hypothetical Trump v. Warren election. Gates said he'd vote for whoever has the, quote, more professional approach to the presidency, even if he disagrees with them. I think you know where this is going. Basically, Gates is signaling his openness to vote for Donald Trump for president. The reason why, of course, Bill Gates is afraid of a wealth tax. I've paid over $10 billion in taxes, he said. I've, I've paid more than anyone in taxes. If I had to pay $20 billion, it's fine. But when you say I should pay $100 billion, then I'm starting to do a little math over what I have left over. This is a total lie, by the way. CNBC said that under Warren's plan... Gates would only pay $12 billion extra. Even though he should pay $100 billion. Even though he should. And he would still be a billionaire. This is an amount that he just said he was basically fine with. Oh, if it's an extra $10 billion, no big deal. But anyway, he's having this total fucking meltdown. Sorkin then asked Gates if he would sit down with Warren to discuss his concerns. And Gates replied, quote, I'm not sure how open-minded she is or that she'd even be willing to sit down with somebody who has large amounts of money. What a baby. I can assure you she will. (laughs) Yes. First of all, she will. And she said she will uh, shortly after that. And also, just what a fucking baby. Yeah. Like, you see how a dipshit like Bill Gates feels the need to accumulate $100 billion. He's so fucking insecure. I've paid more taxes than anyone. That's because you're rich as fuck. That's because we as a society have allowed you to plunder fucking monopoly rents from hundreds of millions of people. Yeah. Like, do you want to trade my tax bill, dude? Do you want to do you want to pay as little as I do? <laughs> or, you know, people who are even less fortunate than me? Fuck. For the record, neither Warren nor Sanders' plan would require Bill Gates to pay $100 billion no. in taxes, even though he should. Even though he should. He, he seems to be getting his wires crossed here because Bernie has said he believes billionaires shouldn't exist, but then releases a plan under which they do. Bill Gates, you will still exist, unfortunately. <laughs> Quit filling your diaper. All right, it's Thursday, November 7th, 2019. Here's the news. Speaking of Bernie Sanders, he has dropped an immigration reform plan that promises to abolish ICE and Customs and Border Protection 
as well as granting labor rights to workers who are often exploited due to their immigration status. Unlike his competitors in the Democratic primary, Sanders promises to break up the Department of Homeland Security, specifically ICE and CBP, and redistribute their functions to other governmental departments under the proposal Border Enforcement and Deport under the proposal, border enforcement and deportations would once again fall under the purview of the Justice Department. Citizenship questions would be the responsibility of the State Department. Sanders would also expand the DACA program and create a pathway to allow more than 11 million undocumented Americans to become citizens. He would also decriminalize border crossings. The campaign also promised that on day one, it would put a moratorium on deportations, reverse Trump's Muslim ban, reunite families that have been separated at the border, reverse decisions to end various temporary protected status agreements, end for-profit detention, and cease construction of Trump's border wall. Folks, we got to stop deportations until we can figure out what's going on. <laughs> the immigration proposal also tackles so issues— So we can figure out what the hell is going on. <laughs> This proposal also tackles issues like the constitution-free zones near the border, ending the ability of authorities to conduct unreasonable searches. It would also invest $14 billion in defense services for immigrants. Sanders also goes farther than his rivals in ensuring labor rights for immigrants. It creates a domestic worker bill of rights promising, quote, workers with at least a $15 minimum wage, strong protections for collective bargaining, workers' rights, workplace safety, and fair scheduling, regardless of immigration status, and that they have the information and tools they need to act on these rights and protections, end quote. The plan removes farm workers' exemptions from the National Labor Relations Act and requires a $15 an hour minimum wage and overtime pay for agricultural workers. The plan also ends workplace immigration raids and promises to withhold federal contracts to employers found to be exploiting workers. Finally, the plan also acknowledges the grim reality of climate change and how it will impact our world. Sanders is promising to create a new program to accept at least 50,000 climate migrants in his first year in office. It's a good plan, folks. A good plan. An update on Mitch McConnell and Donald Trump's impact on the federal judiciary. In September, it was reported that one quarter of all appellate judges were appointed by Trump. Yesterday, the president bragged about having already appointed 150 federal judges at all levels. That number looks set to grow. Today, the Senate scheduled roll call votes on three district judges. Here's a Democratic assessment of one of those nominees. Lee Radofsky for Eastern Arkansas. This is Washington Senator Patty Murray. Now, Mr. Radofsky had a long history in Arkansas of working to deny women access to reproductive health care. He defended Arkansas's law that would ban abortion at 12 weeks as a, quote, ideal vehicle for the Supreme Court to, quote, reevaluate and overturn Roe v. Wade. On top of that, Mr. Radosky has also previously argued in favor of efforts to cut off Medicaid funding to Planned Parenthood. He defended a state law that could have resulted in the closure of every reproductive health care clinic that provides abortions in the state. And he has worked against hard-fought progress for equality for LGBTQIA people. Lifetime appointment for this guy. Federal <laughs> judiciary. Very cool. Meanwhile, the Senate Judiciary Committee today advanced other nominees, including Stephen Menashe, 
someone nominated to serve as an appellate judge on the Second Circuit. Who might even be worse than the other guy. Yeah, he probably is worse than the other guy, as you'll soon hear. And uh, if he does get a full confirmation vote on the Senate, he will oversee a district that includes everything coming out of New York City and other places too, but, you know, that a lot of people in that city. Anyway, here is a snapshot of Menashe from Senator Murray. We know Mr. Menashe has a deeply disturbing history of disparaging comments against women, against communities of color, against immigrants, and the LGBTQI community. And as if his extreme views aren't bad enough, we know that in his role in the Office of General Counsel at the Department of Education, Mr. Menashe also worked on Secretary DeVos's cruel rollback of Title IX protections for survivors of sexual assault and protections for students regardless of sex. Damn, a uh, Betsy DeVos guy turning out to be a dickhead bigot and a misogynist. Well, hopefully that's the full extent of his scumminess. Additionally, I am incredibly concerned about Mr. Menashe's confirmed role in being one of the architects of Secretary DeVos's efforts to violate the law by undermining protections for student borrowers who were cheated by predatory for-profit colleges. What she's referring to there is a New York Times report last night accusing Menashe of orchestrating a Department of Education effort to illegally access Social Security data. Again, this was to deny relief to victims of for-profit colleges. So imagine wanting to break the law to stick it to victims of for-profit colleges. Stephen Menashe did, and now he uh, he looks set to be a judge on the second highest federal court. For life. Yes. I, I should say uh, there there's a bit of an asterisk there because technically the D.C. Circuit is the second highest court, but the appellate circuit... Uh, is anyway. <laughs> Naturally, the Senate Judiciary Committee advanced Menashe to a full Senate vote. As Democrats also noted at today's committee meeting, Menashe currently serves as an advisor to White House slug Stephen Miller. Menashe helped Miller on immigration policy, among other things. I'm sure we'll hear more about that from Senate floor speeches in the coming days, right before Joe Manchin votes to confirm. <laughs> Yeah, without the judicial filibuster in place, this guy is definitely headed for confirmation. I think only one Republican senator has come out in opposition, Susan Collins. It's too late, Susan. Yeah, even if she does oppose it, you can expect uh, Joe Manchin. First off, they'll still have the votes, and you can expect Joe Manchin to step up and uh, cover for that yay vote. Moving on, the Department of Justice announced an arrest in a scheme involving the Saudi government and former Twitter employees in the U.S. to spy on social media users who were critical of the kingdom. According to the criminal complaint released Thursday, Ali Al-Zabara and Ahmad Abu Amo were employees at Twitter who were contacted by a third man named in the indictment, a Saudi national, to collect personal information of Twitter users who were shitposting about the Saudi government. Two men allegedly obliged using their special access on the social media platform to obtain information, including email addresses, phone numbers, IP addresses, and dates of birth 
of users, which they passed on to the Saudi government. Such information could have been used to locate individuals, pretty frightening prospect considering that the Saudi government has already displayed its propensity toward the gruesome murder of critics. In exchange, Al-Zabara and Abu Amo were compensated with a luxury watch and cash from the Saudi monarchy. The Department of Justice said in a press release, quote, the FBI will not stand by and allow foreign governments to illegally exploit private user information from U.S. companies, end quote. That's because that's the job of the NSA. <laughs> Abu Amo was arrested on Tuesday in Seattle, Washington. Al-Zabara fled the U.S. after being confronted by Twitter about his accessing of users' personal information. The complaint claims that Al-Zabara was immediately provided employment working on behalf of the Saudi government. A warrant has been issued for his arrest, as well as for the arrest of the third man listed in the complaint, the intermediary between the Twitter employees and the Saudi royal family, a guy named Ahmad al-Mutari. The men have been formally charged with acting as unregistered foreign agents, which could carry a sentence of 10 years in prison. But in the end, this is probably the most egregious case of snitch tagging ever documented. Finally, the top derivatives regulator is issuing waivers for stock trading bans. Commodity Futures Trading Commission is granting exemptions for so-called bad actor bans, rules blocking misbehaving derivatives traders from stock markets. Democratic member of the CFTC Dan Berkovitz decried the policy today. He said it was inappropriate that the agency shouldn't weigh in on what's in the domain of the SEC. Berkowitz noted the CFTC doesn't have the expertise to determine, quote, how to best protect securities investors from fraud. Berkowitz made the remarks in a dissent on an agency settlement, noting he didn't take issue with the dollar amount, $67.4 million, the largest penalty of its kind, as the CFTC itself boasted in a press release also issued today. The offending firm, Tower Research Capital, was engaging in spoofing, a scheme involving the placing of orders for futures contracts and canceling them to manipulate the market. For some reason, the Republicans on the CFTC thinks that this shouldn't be an automatic ban from the stock market for some reason. That'll end the newscast for today. Thank you for listening. Big thanks to our subscribers on Patreon, patreon.com slash District Sentinel. Five bucks a month, you help make this news co-op happen. And we're going to reward some of our new subscribers right now with their very own haiku. This is for Mason. Cucumber, strong brand, or has it now rebranded? It's now the pickle. Thank you, Mason. This last one is for William. Eating gold hot dogs, eating gold donuts, eating gold... Ah! Guillotine! Thank you, William. Yes, thank you, William. We support the guillotine for people obsessed with eating gold food. All right, that ends the show. Subscribe on Patreon so you can listen to tomorrow's Garbage Can Show. Or don't. And stay tuned next week when we return for the newscasts. We're here in D.C., so you don't have to be.